Hallelujah. How many of you noticed, by the way, something different today? What did you notice? No tie. Thank you. No tie. And I got a, an, a, I got a beautiful, amazing tie for Christmas from one of you all. But no, today I decided to go tie-less. Um, what else did you notice? Pardon? The speakers, yeah. Anything else? The TVs. Do you like them? Yeah, okay. Too late, they're up there anyways. <laughs> um, as we come to this first Sunday of 2017, I want to do something a little bit different than our much-anticipated study in the Gospel of John. Um, when I say different, I don't mean it's something that we've never done before. Um, I, I have found that as I get older in life, I need reminders. Do any of you guys need reminders? How many of you guys actually send yourself emails to remind yourself to do something? Um, I find that it's easier, by the way, if I send myself email than if I just put it in my calendar, because I might not look at my calendar, but I almost always look at my email. Uh, so every once in a while, God will say something to me that is really good that I, I get excited about and I say, yay and amen, God, good word. And I'll begin to do it for a while and then something happens and it drops off the charts and pretty soon I'm not doing that thing anymore that seems so important and it's time. And every once in a while I need a reminder. And that's kind of what today is about. It, it's a reminder uh, to get back on track with what really matters in life. Um, I am very aware as I look around the room that so many of us face some real challenges in 2016. Um, I was uh, working out at the Y on Saturday on the uh, elliptical and I was looking at the TV screen that's on the uh, equipment. Uh, I didn't have my um, earplugs with me, or actually I had them, but my battery had run out. And um, as I'm watching, I could see that somebody had taken a picture of a sign and the sign said this, 2016 dash good riddance exclamation mark, we're tired of you. And I suspect that for some of you that would be your assessment of 2016. It was a year of challenges. Some of you have faced physical challenges, uh, sicknesses, disease. Uh, some of you have even had to face the death of friends or loved ones. Uh, some have experienced some estrangement in relationships that were near to you. And that, that awkward separation has just broken your heart. And it's been hard for you even to face this new year. There are among us here today some who have faced struggles in their marriage and in their parenting. And some of you have even wondered if you were going to make it. And yet, here we are on this first Sunday of 2017. Some of you have gone through job changes. And some of you have had to scrape together pennies on a day-by-day -day basis in order to have enough gas in your car to go to a job that you don't even know if you like. So this has been a challenging year on so many levels. Um, I, I talked to uh, someone not too long ago who said, the truth is, I'm just tired. I would like 
eight hours of uninterrupted sleep, and that would make my year. That's all they wanted. Just a little bit of sleep. They're just worn out. Um, I also know that for some of us, at times, there has been a real temptation to just quit. Just to give up on the whole thing. I've tried hard and it's not working. Uh, I don't think things are going to change. So I, I just want to run away. I want to... I want to go to bed and pull the heads over my covers and not get out until everything in the world changes or until Jesus comes back. Some of you have faced some really challenging times. And the longer I live, the more convinced I am that Brother Carlton Spencer was right when years ago he said, the only way we can really lose in life is if we quit. If we quit. So, as I looked at that kind of uh, scenario, that landscape in front of me, as I faced you today on this first Sunday of 2017, I began to think about when I first became a Christian. I was a teenager. Uh, I've told you the story before. Uh, my dad became dramatically saved and delivered from alcohol in the exact same moment. It was an encounter with God that was so real it changed his life and the course of our family forever. My dad was a very strong, authoritarian kind of guy. At that point in time, he had six of us kids. He got saved, led to the Lord in our house by a guy who actually witnessed to him at work. He got saved and yelled upstairs to all of us kids where we were hiding because if dad was around, we hid. He yelled to us to come downstairs. We came downstairs and he told us, all of us, he said, Get on your knees right now. You're becoming a Christian. No joke. And that was my introduction to the Lord and to church. And honestly, I really thought that becoming a Christian would mean the end of all my problems. I thought I would get saved and I would uh, float through life on this cloud of peace and joy and rainbows and baby unicorns and uh, it, it would be all peachy keen and hunky-dory. It would be wonderful. It would be cool. And if you're like me at all, it didn't pan out that way. Life has thrown some challenges at me as well. Um, I discovered when I got saved that I didn't get an all-expense-paid vacation on the love boat. I found that I was conscripted into an army, and I was actually placed upon the battleship Galactica because this is a global war. We're in a battle, and it's a fierce battle that we're in, and the enemy wants nothing more than to see you become so disheartened and discouraged, disappointed with life that you opt out. He can't do a whole lot in life to you. You understand that. But what He can do is lie to you about hope. And I love the fact that we sang today about hope. Because the truth is, hope is what keeps us going. It's the hope that things aren't going to stay the way they are. That they're going to get better. Things are going to change. That God does, in fact, have a purpose and a plan for my life. Paul says that we're in a real war, but... The problem for most of us is in the midst of the battle, we think our war 
is with our spouse or our kids or that boss he gave me or with the president or the supervisor or the pastor. And Paul tells us our, our wrestling isn't with flesh and blood. It's with principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness in high places. That we have a real enemy who wants to see us disqualified from the race and from the battle. And for most of us, the issue isn't just that it's a big battle. The issue is the dailiness of it all. It gets to you after a while, doesn't it? You know, I get up in the morning and I'm in the middle of the battle. It hits before my feet hit the floor. I go to bed at night and I'm still in the battle. You know, if, if it were just going to be one big battle and you could announce the time and the day, I could gear up for that. It's when it happens constantly that it can begin to wear on you. It gets wearying. And all too often I have discovered that the enemy's voice sounds a lot like my thoughts. And I have to learn to discern. Does this sound like the voice of God? Does this sound like something God would say? I remember saying once to a friend, I'm not sure what God would say. And he said, well, if you had to just guess, if, if you're unclear that God is actually saying it, if you had to guess, what kinds of things do you think God would say? So I thought about it and I told him and he said, okay, is what you're thinking sounding like what God would say then? No. Then whose voice is it? The Word of God, I believe, has some things to say to us. Um, as I look ahead to 2017, and what are we to do in this battle that we're in? Uh, is it just a matter of positive confession? Is that what we do? Um, there are friends among us who have the stomach bug right now. And there are those here today, and you might be one of them. So if you are one of them, this is not just a shotgun blast. I'm taking a rifle and aiming at you. So you don't have to ask, are you talking about me? Yes, I am. There are those among us today who would say, you shouldn't say you're sick. You should say you're healed. And I want to say to you, that is a lie. They are sick. That doesn't mean that Jesus isn't their healer, but don't you make them lie in order for you to fit some theology that is pretty twisted in life. When I read the Bible, I see the saints of old talking about their struggles. Real struggles. David had to say, Saul, why are you disquieted within me? Why are you disheartened? Why are you depressed and discouraged? But then he had to say, hope in God. That didn't mean that he denied that he had the feelings. He didn't deny he had the sickness. But he put his hope in his God. And that's what we're about. So what does the Word of God say to us? I just want to read a couple of Scriptures to you. They're not going to be up on the wall. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, you can just listen. Hebrews 3.13 says this, Exhort one another daily while it is called today. We don't know about tomorrow, but we do know today. Exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 10, 23-25 says this, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised 
is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I love how the God's Word translation puts that portion. It says, we must also consider how to encourage each other to show love and to do good things. We should not stop gathering together with other believers as some of you are doing. Instead, we must continue to encourage each other even more as we see the day of the Lord coming. And then finally, 1 Thessalonians 3, Paul says some amazing words. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the Gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. The word that is used there in the Greek, the word uh, for exhort or encourage, depending upon your translation, is the Greek word parakleo. Parakleo. Does that sound like any other Greek word you might know? What? Paraclete. What is the paraclete? The Holy Spirit. But what does the word paraclete literally mean? Exactly. The one who comes alongside and helps you. The comforter who stands next to you. So the word that he uses when he talks about encouraging or exhorting one another daily while it is yet today is the word parakleo. One who comes alongside and lends something to you. It means to encourage, to exhort, to comfort, to come alongside and invite for the purpose of strengthening, to lend aid. That word, by the way, occurs 109 times in the New Testament. 109 times God tells us that we are to be encouraged or to encourage one another. So the writer of Hebrews tells us that as the day of the Lord's returning comes, and we believe, we still believe, contrary to some places, we believe that Jesus is in fact returning. And that as that day gets closer and closer, the writer of Hebrews says we need to encourage one another. But then he adds these words, so much more. So much more. In other words, as that day approaches, we need to be encouraging one another all the more because what we're facing is all the worse. Because the enemy wants to see you thrown out of the race. Um, Everyone likes to be encouraged. I mean, if you're honest, you most often don't need to be told when you've blown it. When you failed at something. When you you don't feel good about yourself for whatever reason. You don't need somebody to come along and tell you how bad you are. You already know how bad you are. But most of us like to be encouraged once in a while. And I don't mean by that that we're taking our identity from it. But there is something about somebody just coming along and saying, attaboy, that makes us feel good. Um, when I started working out at the Y, it was a daunting thing when I first walked in the doors. I was uh, scared. In my mind, at least, when I walked in the door, here's what I literally expected. I honestly did. I expected somebody would look at me and say to me, if, if they wouldn't say to me, they'd at least think it. They would say to me, what are you doing here? Lose some weight, get yourself in shape, and then maybe come in. 
because I knew that everybody that was in there was in so much better shape than me. And they dressed better than me because honestly, at that point in my life, all I could wear was an army tent because that's about the best I could do. Uh, I, I didn't feel good about myself. I felt embarrassed to be in there. Um, and then, over time, I, I lost a little bit of weight and began to work out. And I, I one day walking the track, I had a couple of guys down below playing basketball. And they were yelling to me, come on down and play. And I said, no, no, you guys play. I'm fine. I'm up here. I'm going to keep walking. And they said, no, come on down. If you don't come, we're going to be short a guy. So I finally sighed and said, all right, I'll go down. And then when I got down there, I literally said, here's the deal. I will run. I will try to catch the ball. I will try to throw the ball, but that's the best I can do. And they said, that's the perfect teammate. <laughs> um, and so that's exactly what I did for a long time. And finally, one day, one of the guys said to me, why don't you try to shoot? And this is no joke. I believe I probably shot a dozen times with never touching the basket or the backboard. Air ball. Air ball. Air ball. And after a while, it gets pretty embarrassing. And they kept saying, shoot anyways. And finally, I can remember the day I finally made a basket. And I thought, whoa, I made a basket. So there I am working out, going around the track, playing basketball, feeling still not so good about myself, and I can still remember the first time it happened. It was actually Jeff who said to me, he's a guy who walks at the Y with us, as I'm going by Jeff, I'm walking a little bit faster than him, he says, good job, keep going. And I kind of look back at him, I thought, what? And I walk by and he said, no, keep going, you're doing good. And I finally said, I'm not doing good. He said, listen, you're outpacing everybody who's home sitting on their couch. Uh, that's true. Okay, I guess I am doing good. And I can still remember uh, the day it happened. We were picking up teams for basketball. And um, I always want to be on the good guys teams because I like to win. And so there were a couple of guys there who were obviously ballers. And so they, they grew up playing ball all their lives. So I would always make sure I would get on one of their teams. In fact, at some point, it came to a point, I don't even know how it happened, I began to pick the teams. And I made sure what team I was on because I wanted to be on the good team. And I can still remember the day that one of the other guys said, no, 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 you guys can't be together anymore. And I said, why? He said, we're not going to put you two together on the same team. It's just not fair. I said, why? I'm the worst guy out here. And they said, no, you're not. You're probably one of the better guys out here. And they nicknamed me a name that I won't tell you what my nickname is because I'm not sure I even like it yet. They nicknamed me a name and I thought, okay. Suddenly inside I began to feel like, okay, though I am old, I'm, I'm, at that point I'm the second oldest guy out there. The, the youngest guy was 21, I think it was, or 22. And there's like... 30-some years difference, almost 40 years difference between us. Second oldest guy, and they think I'm one of the better guys. And I thought, wow. And I began to feel like maybe I could do this. Even though I know I wasn't the second best guy, I know that I wasn't even good. I've never been a good ball player. I just like to run because it's a good workout. But I began to feel inside a little bit better about myself. Um... What I have discovered is that the why is kind of like this big family. 
it, it, it's kind of like their, their job in life, they feel, is to encourage one another. I thought about it um, on Saturday, and Mary came in with Luke. And they're upstairs, they come in, and Luke, as you can see, is back here with a wheelchair. Luke has had an injury. And they go up the elevator, and uh, Mary runs around and up the stairs to meet Luke up there. And she gets him up out of the wheelchair, and they're walking around. And I'm, lit- I'm on the elliptical while this is happening. And so they're walking, and Luke, every step is work. Every step. But he's taking the steps. And I can watch the guy on the bike below. He's going like this with every step he's taking. He's actually with him in time. And he's saying, come on, you can do it. Keep going, Luke. And in my mind, I'm thinking, Mary, you're getting as much a workout as Luke is up there helping her son. But that's kind of what the why is about. It's encouraging one another. You can do it. Keep going. And I want to suggest to you that that's kind of God's intention for the church of God. Because the truth is, none of us is all that good. But does telling one another we're not that good going to help anything? Is it going to make anybody feel better? Is it going to make anybody try harder? But maybe if we came along and actually encouraged one another, it actually might do something inside of us to help us not to quit and to actually keep going. Um, The word encouragement, by the way, literally means to lend courage. I believe that we need to let people know that we are for them and that we believe they're going to make it. They can keep going. One of the things that happened to me, and it's interesting that she's even here, I took this course on coaching, and coaching has this paradigm, and and it's a very simple paradigm. It's called the 80-20 paradigm. The, the, The paradigm is this. The person who is being coached should do 80% of the talking, and the coach should do 20% of the talking. Is that right? Okay, I'm just making sure I got the percentages right. Because if not, she'll tell me later, as she should. Um, And we were asked to coach somebody. So my coachee was actually Ben. And I met with Ben, uh, and we coached in front of Sister Cindy. And uh, at the end of it, I'm thinking to myself, talk about blowing it. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to do this. I felt out of my depth. And what was worse, I think I reversed the percentages. Uh, I think I spoke 80% of the time and Ben spoke 20% of the time. So I'm feeling pretty bad. And one of the things I noticed about Cindy, and I commented about this at uh, one of our meetings, maybe even the last meeting, is that Cindy had a gift, and I think it is a gift, of being able to find the good in about anything. So that when I got done, she said, tell me what you thought about it. And so I told her, I I blew it. It was pretty bad. I feel bad. I feel bad for Ben. I feel bad that you had to sit there and listen to it after you've done all this teaching and this is how poorly I performed. I feel bad. Then she said something. I, I don't even remember for sure what it was, but she said something positive to me. And I'm thinking, were you in the same meeting I was in? But that's kind of what I see us doing is almost like coaching one another. What's a coach do? A coach says, you can do it. I can help. We can get you from where you are to where you know you want to be and where God's called you to be. I can help you get there. We can walk this out together. And that's kind of what this is about. It's about encouraging one another. If I were to entitle what I want to have happen today, I don't know that it will go well, but we're going to try. 
it would be the giving of expressions of grace. When Barnabas came to a little city called Antioch, the scripture uses this phrase, which I love. It says, he saw the grace of God. He didn't see a theology lesson. He saw the active working of the grace of God in people's lives. He saw that the grace of God actually works. Uh, I've been walking with God for a lot of years now. And I have to tell you, for a long time, I wondered if it even worked. Because it seemed like I stayed the same. Like I did the same stupid stuff over and over and over again. Would I ever learn? Would I ever grow up? And yet, here I am years later, and I can say that though I am not where I want to be, I'm not where I used to be. That God has, in fact, by His grace, worked change into my life. Um, so what I want to do today is I want to give opportunity for us to express something of appreciation and encouragement to people about the grace that we see in their lives. Now, here's the danger. The danger is this. You can sit there, much like what we do when we bring in somebody prophetic, in which we've done many times over the years. You bring in somebody who has the mantle of the prophetic on their lives, who speak and tell you things that God is saying to you. And when you know that a prophetic person's in there, everybody's sitting on the edge of their seat saying, pick me, pick me. God, you know how desperately I need a word. Pick me out of everybody else so that I'll know you really love me. And then it doesn't happen and we go home discouraged. I want to recommend we actually turn that whole paradigm around. That instead of us sitting on the edge of our seat saying, I hope somebody picks me, how about we instead say, is there somebody that I know of who needs some encouragement that I could say, not puffery, which is another danger, where we give flattery to one another. We say things that aren't true at all. Instead of that, we actually find the working of the grace of God in their lives. And we say, I want to point out that God is at work in your life. Um, some years back, I was at a conference in Ohio um, at Ashland Theological Seminary, in that area anyways, and I wasn't feeling good about myself at all. I, I had blown it and just felt bad inside. Uh, no one likes it when they blow it, when they do stupid things. And so I, I'm talking to a brother about this, and I'm telling him that I feel like my whole life has been one failure after another, just like I can't seem to get things together. And he kind of looked at me for a while, and then he said, can I give you another way to look at this? And then he started with this phrase. He said, I see you as a warrior who has never quit fighting for God to work in your life. And then he went down the road several different things. And all of a sudden I thought, it's true. I mean, it's, I don't say it's true that I'm a warrior. It's true that I haven't quit. I keep going. I'm still trying. I still want to change. So that he saw something different in me. He didn't make it up. He didn't lie to make me feel better but he actually saw some things inside of me that I think were hopefully the deposit of the Lord. So that's kind of what I want us to do. I want us to think about ways that we can bless and encourage one another as the family of God together. Um, don't fall into the trap, by the way. Uh, I can still remember Bob Mumford uh, using this example. 
uh, somebody had come up to Bob and said, I feel like I have a word for you that God wants to give you to encourage you. But before I do, I just want to say, uh, I think it's really important for you not to get a big head about this because you have feet of clay like anybody else. You're, you're a sinner like anybody else and I know you blow it right and left. I know you're not the best at anything, but I still feel like God gave me this word to give you. You don't have to tear somebody down before you build them up. Because by the time you do build them up, they're so torn down that all you've done at best is bring them back to the low level they were. How about we instead just plain build them up? And if pride becomes an issue, God's well able to take care of pride. In fact, for most of us, the issue isn't pride. It's that we don't feel good enough about what God is doing inside of us. So, what I have done is I have asked some specific people to pray and prepare ahead of time about who they might like to encourage. So, the first one I'm going to actually call up is Stephanie Russell. And again, what I would like you to do is two things. I would like you, as you hear Stephanie call out somebody and encourage them, I would like you to do two things. I would like you, number one, to agree with her. To bless whoever it is that she calls out. To see into their life the hand of God. And then number two, be thinking about somebody that God might ask you to encourage, whether here and now or perhaps later. But actually engage in this process, okay? So. Whoa. That. Oh, mute. Okay. All right. The first person I thought of as, as soon as you asked us to do this was Brittany Mann. <laughs> I see the faithfulness of God in you. Um, he's been faithful to you, and you have faithfully responded to him, even when it's difficult. Um, I know how introverted you are, yet you're always putting yourself in places of community. And that's, I mean, that's hard to do when you just want to stay home. I mean. <laughs> um, you're sowing seeds now that your family will rejoice over later. And then I have Judy. <laughs> Shaking. Sorry. Um, you're a constant source of encouragement to anyone the Lord's puts in your path. Um, you rally people for truth and seek them out to cheer them on with God's word. And I really do see you as like a cheerleader for the body of Christ. And then I had Aaron Ellis, but he's not here. And so I have Mindy. Can I share one more? Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, actually, God said this to me this morning when you were during uh, worship time. So this has been... A stage, um, no, a place, sorry, what did I write? This has been a safe environment for you to linger in the state of childlikeness, that this body and this place has been like a safe place for you to kind of be a child before the Lord. Um, and it's really blessed the Lord's heart, and he has more for you from that place of safety. He's bringing you to a place of growth where your view of him and consequently, your view of life will deepen and become even more purpose-filled. Thank you. Now, again, what I would like you to do is you've heard uh, Sister Stephanie just speak a couple of very brief words. It, it wasn't like rocket science. It didn't have to be 15 minutes long or anything like that. Just to speak a brief word of encouragement about something that she has seen of God's handiwork in each life. And you can do the same kind of thing. You can look for opportunities to say, I see this in you. And there's probably not a one of us that don't see some of the same stuff in these people. So, 
Uh, just for the sake of time, because Sister Liz also has responsibility down in the nursery today because of some friends who are sick, she's filling in. We're going to let her go next so that she can be done and back down to help her poor husband. Sister Liz, I don't know how I feel about that. It's been a long time. Okay. I chose Kathy Mauer. Are you back there somewhere? Yeah. Hi. Um, so I also had a few other people prepared who are not here that I was going to talk about. Um, and so I was thinking back and really you have been such a gift to me and to Nick. Um, I'm really thankful for your gift of relaxed hospitality. Um, before Nick and I got married, we were dating long distance for a while. Um, and when we got engaged, Kathy offered um, to let me live with her and her family for about three months before we got married. And so before that, we saw each other, I think, two weekends a month, and everything was always very structured and planned. And once I was able to be in Warsaw and um, just we were able to do day-to-day -day relationship versus long distance, and I really feel like that um, prepared us both for our marriage and for spending an incredible amount of time together when we were in the hospital with Judah. So thank you for that. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, I want to actually, as long as I'm up here, I can do it. Uh, a couple of people that I have thought about uh, is Sister Connie. Um, Connie and Frank were in the church when we came to this church 20, almost six years ago. Uh, so you guys have been here for a while. How long? How long have you guys been here? 30 years? That would be 30. You guys have been here for a long time, but there's a lot of things that God has graced you with for which we are all grateful. But one of the things is what I'm going to call, for lack of a better term, a gift of generosity. You don't know how much it meant to me over all of these years when our kids were little and were probably at times annoying, active, running around, getting into things, crawling under the pews. Uh, it meant more than you could know the way in which you would remember our kids on their birthdays. I can't remember a one in which you didn't give them a card or even a little gift. Um, you, to me, epitomized a person who thought about other people and looked for ways to show the fact that you were thinking about them and you didn't forget them. Uh, it would be really easy, uh, as I'm sure many people would be aware, when you grow up as pastor's kids, uh, they're constantly on display. And uh, for good or bad, they're, uh, they basically become the church's kids. And so some people look at them as uh, a joy. Some people look at them as an intrusion. And you didn't. And so the way in which I have watched, not only with my kids that I've referenced, that's kind of like my foundation, but the way in which I've watched over the years, you demonstrate genuine care for people in your generous spirit and in your giving has been a constant encouragement to us so that we're always reminding people 
like when I leave this church and I travel and I hear friends of mine, pastors, talking about their church and, and sometimes, not always, but at sometimes in places, they will talk about them negatively. I will bring up how amazing our church is and you have at times been one of my examples. A faithful, a generous giving to those. Even though I know that you haven't had a lot yourself, but you have found a way to give. I don't care if it was taking stuff that you already had and finding a way to spruce it up and make it look new again and to give that. You have found a way to generously give. And I just, I'm grateful for that gift in you. Uh, the other one I wanted just to point out was Kayla. Uh, Kayla, you have, uh, I think, a similar gift to Connie and that you are extremely generous with people. Uh, it's kind of like in, in my house growing up, we had a saying, what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. Uh, yours is the exact opposite mantra. What's mine is yours and what's yours is yours and let's all have a party together. I love the fact that you are so generous with others around you. Uh, you have uh, given again and again, not just to people that I'm aware of, but people that I hear about from others. You have given legitimate, uh, literal things, uh, whether it be clothes or things they need, baby stuff. Uh, you care about people. Uh, even some stuff that you post on Facebook is you know, wanting to make sure people put their kids in their car seat safely and right and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and so we might joke about it, but that's born out of a genuine heart of care for people. And I personally, I see in you, uh, and for lack of a better term, this is the phrase that I felt to give, I see in you a mother's spirit. I think you're going to grow into, I think you already have it as a seed form, but I think you're going to grow into a great mother in Israel. Uh, they, they talk about the fathers who sat in the gate, but anybody who knows anything knows it's the mothers of Israel who really got things done. Uh, and so I see you that way, kind of keeping an eye on everybody, watching out for them, and making sure that everybody's okay. And even when you come into church, I was noticing again today, I'd already been aware of it, thought about it, but even when you come in, you make sure that you go from person to person, checking in with them, making sure how everybody is. And I think that is a genuine mothering spirit. And I know that it's um, really easy to look at your own kids and times when you fail, I guarantee, I don't even know this legitimately, it's not like somebody's told me this, but I guarantee there are probably times when you lose it with your kids because you're a mother, you're a normal mother. But that doesn't take away the fact that you love desperately your children. And that same thing that God put in you for your kids, I see you demonstrating for a bunch of other people. So I just wanted to encourage you to say, I see the work of God in your life, let alone the courage and stick to that you have in working out. And uh, I saw you Saturday coming in after your workout, and then you go up and walk a little bit more. I, okay, that's a person who says, okay, when I put my mind to it, I'm going to do it. And that's a good thing as well. So uh, I'm going to next call Sister Jenny Maurer. I should stop saying sister, apparently. Where's Liz? Okay, sister. This camp, Sunday, come on. Oh, look at this. Oh. Hi. Hi. Yeah. Oh, look at the smile. Yeah. yeah. No, no. She's not a distraction. <laughs> um, 
I had several people that I had planned and most of them have been taken already. Um, but one, is Stephanie still in here? Did she leave? Hi. <laughs> oh, you're one of my people. Um, I just really appreciate you, Stephanie, and I appreciate the way that no matter um, what I am struggling with, I feel like I can be transparent with you and that you're not going to judge me or <laughs> think I'm stupid or <laughs> um, tell me how to fix myself, but you're just a very encouraging, um, unassuming person. And that is like invaluable um, to me and a couple of times when I felt really isolated and like I'm a terrible mom, <laughs> which I am sometimes, <laughs> um, you've just been really helpful to me. So I appreciate the way that you are so accepting of everyone. Um, can I do one more? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, the other person that I wanted to say um, was Connie, actually. Um, I just really appreciate you too. I know that they were already done, but um, Connie in particular, I just really love the way that you love on our kids, which is similar to what he said. Um, but more than that, like you're just very kind. You're always greeting people when they walk in the door um, and smiling and hugging people. And <laughs> um, you know, just even the way that you find a way to um, bless us. And um, I know that, you know, that life is not always easy for you. Um, but you uh, continue to give out of that place, and I just, it's an insp inspiration to me. So. Thank you. So, again, there are more, but I'm hoping that you get the idea that this is not something that is super hard. It's you choosing to see the work of God in somebody's life, something good that is in them. And as I look around the room, I mean, most of you I've known for a long time. And I've seen the way in which God has worked in you. And you need to know that God is at work in you. He's not done with you. And so, ultimately, you ought to be thinking, okay, who could I speak over? And the fact that somebody might be picked twice, all the better. Maybe they needed to be encouraged again. Because it's easy to forget, even in a moment's time. Uh, next is uh, Karen Lanaville, Sister Karen. By the way, this year at camp, they changed the rules. They didn't have to call them brother and sister anymore, so I don't know. They said they were becoming Mormons or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's really interesting to me how a few people have said that either the people that were laid on their heart <coughs> aren't here or someone else has already encouraged them. So for those of you who were asked to pray about this ahead of time, I want to encourage you to um, go ahead and give those other encouragements privately that you don't give here publicly. So if someone isn't here, or if you don't want to say your word again because you feel like it's too similar to someone else's, find a way this week to text them or talk with them and go ahead and give it because I believe that is something the Lord put on your heart. And so just because you don't have a public platform as a place to do it, that doesn't mean that you should just throw it away. So find a way to do that because it's going to matter in their lives. So uh, Jack and Carol, um, and first this, I had this for you, Jack, but um, as I just gave more thought to it, I feel like it's for both of you, um, and I had something, but just before I came up, I felt like the Lord added the word first responders, which kind of um, sums up what I feel about you. We've known you for a long time, um, and you are so dependable to respond when someone has a need. Um, and I'm going to get emotional because I, it takes me right back to like a very personal time, which is um, at Jennifer's accident, where they 
they just dropped everything to come and support us. And I see you guys doing that in like so many areas of your life. And whether it's somebody needs money, or somebody needs food, or somebody needs a roof on their house, or someone needs a ride, or a babysitter, you guys, you're just right there. Like if, if, if you're asked, you'll do it, but you don't have to be asked. Um, so just recently, uh, Bill and Terry lost their son-in-law. I know that Carol went to those calling hours. That's an hour right away. She drove there, I think, by herself. I don't know that for sure. But I know she went there to make sure she was there. And that's one place where they are always there. If someone has a loss, I know they're going to take off work or change their plan or drive two hours, whatever it takes to be there for either calling hours or the funeral. They're always, always there. Um, and uh, just over the years, that's just always been the case. Uh, making food. I know she did that, too, for the North Cuts. And we didn't even arrange that. We didn't organize it. But in Carol's heart, it's like, there's a need. I have a way to fill it. I'm going to fill it. So thank you guys for being that to us personally and to the body here. Uh, we need that. And it's, it's a gift. And it's something God has graced you with. And you've been faithful to respond to that. So thank you. Um, I think I'll do Janelle. <laughs> uh, I have so many of you are just like popping up. But Janelle, something that I've seen about you is that um, you have grabbed hold of the Lord for your struggles. Your struggles are real, and um, you're, you don't hide them. You know, if, if you're friends with Janelle on Facebook, you know she's had struggles. But if you're friends with her on Facebook, you also know where she's looking for her help and her hope. And she's found recently really fresh hope in God, and she's grabbed onto that, and she wants the world to know. So sometimes um, we're afraid to share our faith, but not Janelle. She's like, this is the place to find strength. This is the place to find hope. And that's where I'm running. And you guys should run there too. And so it's like you're, um, you're an open person, but you're not just open about the bad stuff. You're open about where the answer is. And um, I just feel like the Lord is going to really use that in your life. There's more hope and help for you than you've experienced yet. But God is then, as he builds that in you, he's going to use that, and you're going to be like a rescuer for others. The the way that you've been rescued and the help that you've found, you're going to then be like a lifeline, reaching out to those around you and pulling them in. So keep running after God. Um, it's the best thing you can do, and you're an encouragement and a light to those like in your circle. Good. Uh, next is Kathy Maurer. Good morning. The, the truth is, uh, and I mean this sincerely, that I really do see the grace of God in every life here. I really do. Um, but in prayer, I, I felt uh, a drawing to the, of the Lord to a couple specific people. And one is Alyssa, who I've known for a few years. And uh, we've created a, a, the Lord has brought about a, a good friendship and a relationship between us. And the, the grace that I see in your life, Alyssa, is one that um, is without pretense, which I so value. You don't try to be a good Christian. It's, it's not uh, uh, for the sake of other people. You may try because it's the right thing to do, but you don't do it for the sake of appearance. What a refreshing thing that is. Um, and when you, when you fall or when you struggle, 
you're, as Karen was talking about, Janelle is thinking about you, like, you don't hide that. It is a struggle. Um, but I like that you don't hide it because we need to be real and we need to be honest about who we are and what we're doing. But the other thing is, is that you don't first try harder. You actually return to the cross every time. You may get discouraged and you may get down and you may go, oh my goodness, what's wrong with me? I did blew up again or whatever. I did this again. But I'm telling you, give you 24 hours and you're at the feet of the cross again, drawing from the grace and the love of God to get up and, and do it and find his grace to then live a transformed life and live according to what you believe the Spirit is telling you. The other thing about this woman is she loves the word of God. She has... Uh, in one year's time, read the entire scripture because she felt compelled by God to do so. And she believes it. That's the other thing that's just crazy to me is that somebody who's who wasn't necessarily um, raised in the word suddenly has it in her hands and she goes, I need that. And although life has its issues and whatever, she keeps going back, but this is what this says. So the word became and has been an anchor for you, which is huge for everybody around you because you're standing on something solid when sometimes life gets crazy for everybody. So I really appreciate the fact that you do that. The scripture that I, that I thought of for you is those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. And you have been filled and you'll continue to be filled because I'm telling you, the hunger and thirst in you isn't something that was born of you. It was born of the spirit and it's not going to die. It's not going to quit. You're going to keep going after it. On that, I want to speak to Janelle about the same thing. I don't know you hardly at all, but we sat together at the Christmas party and my spirit jumped up when you leaned in. I was talking to Kathy and I was talking to Debbie about things of the spirit, about things of baptism and and God, and Janelle is there cranking her neck around going, she's talking about God. I need to learn about God. I need to know about God. And I could see that hunger and thirst. The same truth is for you. It's in Matthew. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for God will be filled. That's his promise to you. It's just stay hungry. It's in you. He put it in you. Keep running after him. Matthew 5, 6, by the way. Um, I just looked it up. I didn't know it. <laughs> I knew it was Matthew 5. But. Uh, next is Sister April. Daughter-in-law April. How's that? Is that better? Okay, so Janelle, you weren't one of mine, but I just have to share this with you too. Um, <laughs> during huh. worship, I just saw you worshiping, and um, it's awesome. You have a heart that is hungry and um, in worship is a place where you will be able to trade your sorrows for joy and um, where you're going to feel his presence in a way that will allow the, tr the truth to feel true. Um, sometimes we have to believe the truth because we believe it and we exercise faith to believe it and other times um, it's really super fun because we feel that way too and in worship I felt like God is going to allow you to feel um, his presence, his love, his joy and there's going to be a transfer of um, sorrow for joy, um, garment of praise, where there has been hardship. And we know that um, hardship is real, um, but then there's hope that um, can really overtake um, in areas that it's difficult. So be blessed. God is clearly working in your life. Um, one of my people was Nicole, and 
just um, the grace that God has put in your life to serve uh, with joy is an inspiration. And, you know, there's a lot of things that has to happen in a church family that's behind the scenes in order for any of this to happen. And um, I've really just noticed the way that you dive in wholeheartedly, no matter what has to happen, and you're out salting the parking lot or doing all the media stuff. And John came home and said, you know, she was here yesterday because they had to set up a new system and trying to format the screens and stuff that, that's just not fun. I mean, for some people, for me, it's not. Um, maybe not for her, but just being here and doing it with gladness and a smile on your face, you know, always offering to help carry in my stuff or my kids or whatever it is. It's just a blessing and it's an inspiration to see people who do it because you just love it and you're willing to serve in whatever area. It's also been fun seeing the giftings that God has put in you being developed more and more um, over the last couple of years. Just finding out what your um, passion is and going after it has been really cool. Um, so Frank and Connie, you were one of mine also, the same word that he gave, faithfulness and thoughtful generosity. Um, watching seasons and people change in the life of a church, you guys have been a constant, and it's, uh, it's, pretty, it's an awesome example. Um, and then uh, two of my other people were Noah and Jenny, and another behind-the-scenes couple that you guys are incredibly gifted and incredibly intelligent and incredibly faithful. And I know, Jenny, you mentioned not feeling like the best mom, but man, like I think that when we look at you at, from the mom's perspective, you are uh, an encouragement and an inspiration to other moms in your um, consistency, in your determination to do well, and the way you love your kids and your family and your husband, and Noah, the way that you do things with excellence. And you make uh, some of the things that have to happen a lot easier because you are willing to just do what you do well, and um, we appreciate that a ton. Amen. Thank you. So, here is the challenge. Uh, are you able to thoughtfully pray and ask the Lord, who needs a word of encouragement about what you see of the work of God in them? Because the truth is, we need it at times where you think somebody is fine, they're strong, they don't need it, they're the last person, you have no idea what's going on inside of the heart of people to know how desperately they need to hear what God sees in them through you. So I want to encourage you, as we leave today, and we're going to do the Lord's table first, but as we leave today, ask the Lord, who would he have you to encourage? And maybe try to even do it today, or very soon. Maybe they're one of those that weren't able to be here today because of sickness, and you could find them later and just say, wanted to encourage you, we did this in the service today, and this is what I had felt from the Lord for you. But look for an opportunity to give a word of encouragement, okay? Because the truth is, we are called by God to build up one another, to encourage one another while it yet be day. Amen. We're going to receive the Lord's table if you folks want to prepare.